This is episode eight of the Now Is podcast. My name is Ben Remsen, and the idea of this podcast is to do a recorded version of the concept you might know from Downbeat Magazine's Blindfold Test and The Wire Magazine's Invisible Jukebox, to play tunes for musicians without telling them what they're about to hear and see what they have to say. What follows is the conversation that I had with Tamika Reed on the afternoon of February 12th, 2016, in my living room in the Rogers Park neighborhood of Chicago. Tamika is a Chicago-based cellist, composer, and educator who plays in many different composed and improvised contexts. You're currently hearing me talk over a toile by the Tamika Reed Quartet from their 2015 self-titled album. At the end of this interview, you'll hear Ponce by the collective string trio Here and Now from their 2012 self-titled album. Both are pieces that Tamika composed. To find out more about her different projects and upcoming performances, check out tamikareed.net. That's Reed, R-E-I-D. One small bit of clarification. Tamika frequently uses the terms pits and pitsing, as well as arco. This refers to pizzicato, the technique whereby the right hand is used to pluck the strings of a string instrument, as opposed to using a bow, i.e. playing arco. You can find the Now Is podcast in the iTunes store. Perhaps you already have. You can also stream it at nowis.org, N-O-W hyphen I-S dot O-R-G, where you'll find information about all the tracks that I played for Tamika. You can also like the Now Is podcast on Facebook. Okay, Tamika Reed. I mean, it sounds like Abdulladoo, of course. It is. From By Myself, but I don't remember which. That's what I mean. I don't know the track names. It doesn't matter. It's not Camille. It's not Camille. Because <laughs> I transcribed that one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. So I guess you must like this album. You're transcribing stuff from it. Yeah. Um, well, mostly, I, again, I did it for my this thesis I'm working on because I want in one section of it I want to do um, current trends even though this record came out I guess in 77 but just to say what you know, he's a big figure to me in jazz cello world um, so I just thought if there was a the thesis is kind of directed at um, other classical cellists or other cellists looking for inspiration or looking for an approach to doing jazz so I just figured okay well I transcribed something so that they could also play something that a cell that is started from a cellist because all my other transcriptions are from like saxophone or trumpet or trombone or something like that is there something about his playing here that is lends itself better to helping classical players understand jazz um you know, when you play the instrument, it's like you can hear the instrument because it's your instrument. So yeah. I feel like even when I listen to violinists, it's like I can kind of understand what they're doing a little bit better or more immediately, I would say, than a trumpet player because it's just a different instrument. It's like I can't, I understand the mechanics of the cello better just because I play it, you know? Sure. So I just feel like transcribing this maybe someone could just it's just a different approach and if you listen to it it's not like he's it's beautiful it's improvised but it's not like he's it's not like he's um 
playing some bebop stuff so you know when you're listening to that sometimes or for me in the past i've been like oh my gosh how do you how did that saxophone do that you know but it's like here's a beautiful melody being played in an improvisatory type of setting that a cellist could probably relate to right if that makes sense yeah that makes sense would you even i i wonder listening to this would you even call this jazz I mean, it's, it almost sounds like, I mean, and I'm not even thinking jazz versus yeah. classical. Like this, when I first heard this album, which was like two weeks ago preparing for oh, this, wow. I'd never heard of it until I read that interview with you, the point of departure one where you mentioned this. And I was like, Yay, my this? job is working. That I'm trying to, you know, yeah. Yeah, I was like, the, yeah, you know what I mean? Because I feel like a lot of people don't know about this. Like when I was no teaching idea. kids, that was they knew Yo-Yo Ma and they knew Abdullah Dude. <laughs> yeah, well, I knew Abdullah Dude a bit from as a sideman, but I was like, oh, he has a solo album. Yeah. And then I found this, and I was listening to it, and I was like, what is this? It's like, yeah. it sounds almost like, from where I'm coming from, it almost sounds like indie rock or something, or yeah. like Arthur Russell or something. Sure. Like. No, I hear that. I don't know. That word jazz is kind of a tricky thing. Sure, of course. But I don't know. It's just not a part of the classical canon. So. Right. You want to come up here? Is that what's happening? <laughs> so I could. Uh... Oh yes. I like how he's playing melody and carrying the bass line together. So I think that's pretty awesome. It's very inventive and. It's got groove, which I love, and um, I think he has a really beautiful sound. Um, Cat attack. That's okay. But you want to sit down, hon? You know, throughout that record, you, and that's just like some, the outplaying with the more melodic stuff. I think he's got a really nice way with that. It helps in that same. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Oh. Yeah, I have no idea what this. It's cool. Yeah, what's cool about it? I like the the space. I guess there's no drums that I've heard so far. And I like the statements, you know, starting with the voice and then having some horns. And then I'm assuming that was a cello. Yeah. Part of the reason I picked this is the cello is going to do something that... Oh, now it's just a professional thing. Yeah. The cello is going to do some, play a solo that kind of reminds me of something I would see you playing uh, oh, okay. pretty soon. same interview as one of your main string influences. Oh, snap. 
Oh snap. Oh snap. Uh, well, I, would, I guess I was thinking like I'll go back something to Chico Hamilton or something. But I don't recognize the voice part. It's not Chico Hamilton. Yeah. That's no, not Fred Katz. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I never heard him solo like that. Yeah. But I feel like it's a, it's. I feel like it was a bass cellist as opposed to a cellist cellist. Um. Like I don't know. like maybe it was a. Like Ron Carter or somebody. Yeah, like or like. Yeah, it's Kyle Os- Scott. Oh, it is Kyle Scott. Kyle Scott. Oh, okay. Playing with Mal Mal Waldron. Well, I don't know this record. Okay. So does that make sense now? Yeah. Yeah. What was I thinking? Um. Well, yeah, it was the, the Arco sound. I guess because I was like, the way he's playing the language, I, I don't recall ever hearing like Pettiford play Arco. Okay. And that was kind of like what was kind of confusing me. So I'm like, who's, who has that sound? But then solos like this, because I've heard Ron Carter's Arco sound, but yeah. then he doesn't, on cello, he doesn't. I feel like he doesn't uh, improvise like in a bebop kind of way. Sure. So that's why I was like, I don't know. This is cool because I really like, I do really like Kalo Scott's playing and I know him from the Abdul Malik records, of, the Sounds of Africa or whatever, but, um, and he does a really nice solo on Don't Blame, Don't, I think there's a track called Don't Blame Me, but it's not, there's not a lot of information about him that I can find. Um, I, I was told that I guess he sometimes stood playing up, but I'm not sure. Playing standing up. Hmm. And I... Can you hear that change in the way he's playing? Some, some sort of difference? Because no, it was just, yeah. I guess it's just like a little random fact I heard. Sure. Because I've been asking people, I think he played saxophone, actually, before. But yeah, I can't, it's hard to find any information huh. about him. He just... Sounds like a... You can go ahead and guess. <laughs> Is it Stuff Smith? Yeah. Yeah. How'd you get it right away? Because you know the tune. That Pitts? Yeah. No. I actually don't know that. I don't know if I know it. It's just that Pitts. Yeah. What about, what about it, Seymour? I don't know. <laughs> I just recognize, I don't know. Yeah. That, that It reminded me of what I guess, I guess it kind of reminds me of a similar intro to this other Stuff Smith song that I really like. Stop Look, I think, or something. Or if there's another track that... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Stuffsmith is great. What's so great about it? His feel, and like so for some of the videos um, I've watched, I just really like how his economy of like usage of when he's soloing, it's like... I don't know, a lot of times like when I've studied with some teachers are like, oh, you know, you should use the whole cello, which you should, you know, you should know the whole range of the instrument, but it's like, he gets so much mileage, I feel, out of just staying in first position, or just in the lower positions, sure. and I know, you know, with violin, the notes are a lot closer together, so you can get a lot of more mileage out of one hand position, but he just comes up with such really inventive lines, I think, from, from just staying, not... Staying in one position or not going very far, if yeah, that makes yeah. sense. How do you think he's doing it? Is it like all the glissandi and stuff like that? Or is it something more subtle? Uh, I don't know, that's what I'm still trying to <laughs> figure out myself. But just that's I just saw that from a video because sure. 
Yeah, and I love how he uses octaves. I feel like this type of thing he's doing right now is really characteristic of him. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you can't do that on the cello. As much no, you can. Right? You can't. It's just not as convenient, or for my hands at least. Like on violin, you can play an octave between your first finger and your fourth finger, for example. Yeah. On cello, for me, I have to do it with thumb and third. Okay. And when you're soloing in the middle of something, it's not the most convenient thing to like grab. Yeah, maybe it's also the melody, of course, but he's so, like, delightful, like, his mm -hmm. tone is so, like, just... Sweet and... Yeah, like, how's he doing that? <laughs> it sounds like he's not using a whole ton of bow pressure. Okay. I don't know, I think he's amazing. I feel like I don't really know any violinist that can swing this hard. It, it sounds so easy. Yeah, you know? that's sort of the thing, is making it sound, yeah. sound light. Yeah, and it is really, a really joyful sound. Yeah. And I feel like it's also really vocal. You could hear someone just saying these lines. Da, 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 you know, sure. it's just he yeah. really is connected with that. Another one of those string heroes. Huh? It's another one of those string heroes. Thing? Yeah. It is? I don't know this recording. I mean, yeah. I, the only thing that made me think maybe it's him because of the way he's attacking that. Uh, nah, 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 he does yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. What if you describe what that is a little more? It's just an unapologetic, like, slam, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like. It's kind of. He just bangs it out. But I like. So speak, yeah. <laughs> But I like that. He's just kind of going for it. Yeah. It's not as finesse, I would yeah. say, as like Stuff Smith. But I, I like that. Yeah. So this album is called. Yeah, there it is. Okay, you know? <laughs> you hear that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this album is called A Tribute to Stuff Smith. Oh, okay. And the. You'll never guess who the piano player is. Or maybe you should have let you try. It's like the last person you'd ever picture being an accompanist. Because they don't normally play piano? Because they don't normally accompany people. They like play as a side man. Are they still living? No. Are they based in New York? No. Based in Chicago? Uh, they're, well, it's, it's Sunra. Oh! <laughs> That's what I think. It's, I, it's like hard to even... Wow. I don't know this recording at all. What, yeah, it's what really What am I doing with my life? <laughs> no, no, I didn't know it until pretty recently either. It's 1992. It's one of the last times Sun Rob was recorded. What? Is I... he did this weird thing, album as a sideman, uh, with Billy Bang that's a tribute to Stuff Smith. Wow. And it's Andrew Surreal on drums, on too. Drums? Okay. I view it as like trying to share whatever inspired me about that person with other people because mm -hmm. even though I know who some of these people are, there's still many people that don't know who Billy Bang is or Abdullah Dude is or Kale Scott. You know, they still don't know who these artists are and and I think that they're great. So I kind of use that for me when I do tributes or when I think of things like that, it's usually because I'm like these people are so great and they mm -hmm. You know, if you like what I'm doing, you you want to check where this is. You know, some of this is coming from. Mm -hmm. It's like 
you know, string players do have a history in this music. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know. It's interesting also you say some of where it's coming from because these sorts of tribute projects can be more or less traditional, more or less conservative, more or less covers versus inspired by and certainly like what I've heard of like the Living by Lantern stuff or something like that, speaking of Sun Ra, is inspired by it's right. not yeah. Yeah, it's not like a direct which I think is okay to do too. I mean like, you know, there have been bands that have, you know, done some cover albums or whatever. And I think it's a it's actually a great learning tool to, you know, figure out what people are doing or to study. But yeah, I think when I when I um do tributes, yeah, it's usually because I'm like, I think this person's so great and I wish more people knew about yeah, yeah. Well, it still seems also like it's expanding on it. I mean, that, thinking of the the AACM album with you know obviously with Mike Reed and Nicole oh, Mitchell, yeah. mm -hmm. it's very much like film of the tunes on that that I knew already. It was like this is clearly expanding on this idea yeah. much more than it is just like sort of like making sure people are like aware of this stuff. I don't know. I feel like it's it's giving back in a way too because it's like I'm so grateful to that wealth of music. I love the great music that is constantly covered, you know, you'll hear like four or all the things you are, but wouldn't it be cool if, you know, some of these other pieces, people would cover those and give their interpretations or just um, use them as vehicles for exploration too, because you know what I'm saying? It's yeah, like making a new standards making, book. Yeah, making a new standards book or just you've, or, or the fact that some of those pieces are different forms or whatever, so it's like... You, people already know about AADA form. What about exploring one of these type of forms or one of these type of harmonic structures or whatever and using that for sure. exploration? Sure. You know, to... But you know what I'm saying? It's like you go to a jam session and it's like people are doing whatever. They're beautiful songs. It's not nothing against that repertoire. But it's like, what about... What about if somebody took another solo on, you know, BK or or some other tune? How would you approach it? How would you solo to that? Oh. Is this a thread kill thing? What's that? Is this a thread kill? Yeah. Yes. Thread kill sex Yeah. Yeah. You know this album? Yeah. I don't remember which one it is. It, it may be very very circus or no. Uh no. No. I can't remember. It, do, it doesn't matter, but it, this tune's called Black Hand Bejeweled yeah. from Easily Slip Into Another World. Oh, okay. So you like it? Yeah. I love Sunny Dredgo. He's amazing. I love that he always used, not all, well, he still uses one cello, but like he would have pieces with like multiple cellos. I think yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> right, right, right. You like it just because you're on the cello team? Yes, on the cello team and then. I just like how he, you know, he just had so much low end in his stuff, you know, yeah. bass and multiple basses, multiple cellos, it's great. Multiple, this is apparently multiple drummers, these two drummers, and they tune the drums okay. very specifically for the pieces so oh, okay. so yeah, very interested in that, that sound. Yeah. I mean, you were mentioning the mixing of in and out, you know, this is like subtle bits of out mixed in with dance music. Yeah. Well, I mean, to me, this is pretty, I don't know, this seems pretty into me. I don't yeah. like, a lot of, like, extended techniques or a lot of, like, craziness going on. Just, like, a lot of energy and it's pretty melodic to me. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. Whenever I listen to Threadgill's music, it's like it's like this big organism, or it's this big thing that's just all moving together so harmoniously, and it's it's amazing how he figures out how that goes. Yeah. Do you think that's mostly about really intricate arrangement, or, or just about the connection between the players? Probably both. Um, I mean, you can kind of hear like this, but 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 but. You can hear kind of like there's that section in there. You can hear the different sections. Yeah. I'm actually not sure if I know this. Okay. Well, then that's actually kind of interesting that you got that it was Threadgill. Oh, because it sounds like Threadgill. It just sounds like. Yeah. I mean, what, what gives it away? I'm really that I'm really curious about. I don't know, it just has that sound. What is that sound? That sound is bombastic, but controlled, but it has direction. Like you can hear these different sequences that are happening. You know, you can hear, like I feel like, I mean that happens to a lot of people's music, but I don't know, it's just a specific way that he does yeah. it. And how there's always, um, I don't know what you'd call this, there's always, um, what do you want that? I don't know. <laughs> Let the record show. There's always a pulse going on. There's always, um, there's movement. Lots sure. of movement. Yeah. It's being propelled forward. Sure. Not that other music isn't like that, but it just feels like there's, like I said, it's like this big, happy giant that's just like mechanical giant maybe that's like moving that's everything's moving all harmoniously together and he's just kind of like people just it's he creates these really nice environments for the soulless I feel like to like blow over yeah yeah that's not an easy thing to do yeah and to do it in a way that and it's heartfelt. Yeah. It feels warm and heartfelt. Oh, haha, evil souls. Yeah, okay. You just know the sound about Oh, I know this. I love evil souls. Yeah, me too. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Actually, when we were when you played that Threadgill, I was like, I want. I I feel like Ed was yeah. definitely influenced by Threadgill. Yes. Yeah. His style of writing. Yeah. Yeah, Naomi Miller there. Uh -huh. I think she has a solo on this. She does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She does. I mean, and, and she also is somebody who came, as I understand it, came is primarily an orchestral player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. If she, I I know her, but I, I don't know that much about I her. I mean, I just know like, like the little I found. Like, yeah, I know she's <laughs> from Indiana, I think. Yeah, she plays in like symphony, Indiana Symphony Orchestra. I love Ed's writing. Yeah, what do you love about it? Yeah, um, what do I like about it? It's just interesting, yeah. for one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, you 
Yeah, I just like the way he uses the instruments. I like how he uses the cello. I like how he... I like the um, instrumentation that he uses for a band. You know, it's right. very much kind of like, you know, what Ellington did with having, you know, the people he chose he really wrote specifically for and just really being conscientious about, like... He, want, he was trying to go for the sound, so it's like, you know, you have a tuba and a bass and a cello and a trombone. Like, yeah. lots of low-end. Yeah. What's not to love about that? I, I love it. And that melody, that kind of busier melody over the very slow part is so beautiful. Yeah. And here's that solo. Yeah. So I, I'm just interested in, you know, her, uh, Naomi Millender, having this orchestral background or classical background, which I guess she shares more or less. I mean, it's also true of you. Mm -hmm. um, do you hear anything of that, particularly in her solo, that would be different than a cellist who had always primarily worked in jazz, if such a thing exists? Um, not really. I mean, what am I, what am I thinking? It's kind of a tricky thing, because when you say cellist mostly working in jazz, I guess in my mind I kind of have like there's like the the, the bass cellist and the cellist cellist, yeah. and not that you want to not cellist, but just like you know I feel like there's definitely a different way that the bass players that play cello approach cello. Sure. You know, like Pettiford or Ray Brown, Sam Jones. You know, it's like they're definitely I guess because they they just translate that language that they did on the bass to the cello, where I feel like with cellists they kind of just create their own thing. Sure. But they, but the bass also did different tuning, so maybe that force tuning lends itself to doing that bebop stuff a lot easier than the fifth tuning that we don't need. Right. So, I'm not sure if that's why. Um, that's why I was curious about that Carol Scott one. Yeah. Doing, but even when he was arcoing, though, he was just sustaining notes. It wasn't like he was playing. He didn't, when he went to play, to solo, he pitched, he didn't do the arco. Right, you know? right. Um, and was that a fourth or a fifth tuning? I think it was, I think it was regular cello tuning, actually. Okay. I mean, you, you know, not me. I, yeah. I, I, it was just news to me that, yeah. bass, when, so generally the, all those bass players you listed who played cello, they would retune it. Yeah, they would retune it. Okay, yeah, I didn't yeah, realize yeah. that. Because even, wasn't Ron Carter originally a cello player? Yeah, and actually, I feel like he didn't retune. But I don't, I need to listen more closely, but I feel like he didn't. But if you notice, too, his approach, like, on that Dulce record is so different. Went out there. Yeah, and out yeah. there is so different than, like, um, Pettiford and stuff. And they didn't, I feel like they didn't really, not that I've heard so far, I don't think they used the bow. Okay. They just mostly pits them their solo. Okay. But anyway, back, but anyway, to, yeah, back um, to April Source. <laughs> um, so, uh, I'm really glad to hear that you really like this. Unless you were you about to say something. Oh, no, 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 I love it. I, yeah. I more than like it, I love it. Yeah. I was, I, I got lucky enough to play in the band once. Oh, really? Up for, yeah, I love this band. Cool. I wish Ed would do more music. Yeah. If he ever, if he listens to this. When this album came out, it, you know, I noticed at approximately the exact same time you moved to Chicago. Yeah. Did Chicago seem like this place where um, genres and styles were all kind of like crossed together? Well, see, I didn't really think about it. I mean, when I moved to Chicago, I came here to do my classical like cello degree at DePaul. I started working at the Hot House. 
that's I know April Souls from there, from not even from their records or knowing about who Thrill Jockey was even. It was more from working. They would play shows there, and I was like, whoa, there's a cellular band, and I knew that I liked doing the classical thing, but I wanted to play in some other ensembles. And so when I saw her playing in that group, I was like, oh, that's so awesome. Like, And then I just liked the music. So I wasn't really... You know, when you're in grad school, it's kind of like... I only knew kind of what was going on in Chicago musically because I work at the Hot House. Right. And so I would see different... That place had a variety of things. So it was just kind of like, oh, there's a space that has jazz and it has vaudeville and it has... Sometimes they'll have a random classical recital or, right. you know, or they'll have activist meetings. Like, it was just a, a place that was... It was an amazing place that had all these different things. So it wasn't like I really... I know sometimes I feel bad like I wish I had been more aware of what was really happening but I was I was just in school and like trying to like practice and learn the stuff that I didn't really I guess I was being exposed to it because of my work environment but I wasn't actively it wasn't like I was actively seeking it out and then I started playing with like Nicole Mitchell or Black Earth Strings so it's like I was going to the Velvet I was getting more exposure to the music in a live context rather than like listening to records per se if that makes sense I like the setting, I like the suspenseful start, yeah. and now this violin solo, that was exciting, pizzicato, that cello player, it's a string ensemble, it's strings, that's what's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's got like a Middle Eastern type of vibe to it. Or that part at least. Yeah. Well, it's actually a, it's actually a Jewish melody. Oh, okay. Which is actually yeah. also a Middle Eastern melody. Yeah. But it's interesting that that, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And I like. Is it a trio or is it? It's true. It's true. I like that. Um. I like that, um, uh, what am I doing? sorry, I like that they don't have a percussion. Like, I love yeah. it when strings have a lot of rhythm and it's just, they're just relying on their own rhythmic right. propulsion. I like that. Okay, I, I gotta take a guess. Sure, I mean, or I can just tell you. No, 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 no. There, it's an American group though, right? Yeah. Yeah, is it the Masada too? Yep. Yeah. I wasn't sure if that was Eric, if that's Eric Friedland on cello. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Live it was, I was going to guess one of two cellos, but I was like... Who was the other one? <laughs> Maybe Ernst Reisinger, but okay. no. How did, how did you know it was Friedlander? I think it might have been more from like hearing the violin player and then thinking about the context. Sure. 
But I know that Eric Greenland has got some amazing pizzicato chops. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, he's just an amazing cellist in general, but yeah. definitely that pizzicato thing. See, he's using octaves right there. Okay. So it's not impossible. Yeah, sure. He can. But just the way stuff slides into it is just so, like... Effortless. Yeah, effortless. Yeah. I just think it's just because of, mostly because of the instrument. Sure, sure. So I was kind of curious to hear what you thought about this partly because you, uh, it's you know, it's working with a folk melody, and at least in some cases I've heard you do that on the Here and Now album has some folk melodies on it, not quite as straight as this I would say, but um, I don't know if you have any thoughts about the adaptation in a more improv setting of traditional folk melodies. I think it's, I mean, it's all fair game. Yeah, sure, sure, of course. Um, yeah, and it gives, you know, gives us folk melodies new life, or, or different setting, different, you know, different spin, however you decide to, you know, improvise on them. Yeah, the other thing is you've got, like, this and actually the next, the next couple tracks. I was kind of curious about your thoughts about like lots of string players improvising at once, which happens a little more right here. Oh yeah. Because like, yeah, here and now I mentioned, and also, um, which is the same interpretation. Mm -hmm. But uh, I saw that large group that you led at the High Park Jazz Festival, oh, yeah, yeah. which was like, what was that, like ten or? No, no, no. It was uh, six strings and a drummer. I right. keep calling it a sextet, but it's seven people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So a yeah. lot of a lot of string yeah. plays yeah. Uh, with a lot of improv improvising. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. That's not really a question, but any thoughts about mm -hmm. the experience of a lot? Why you're interested in lots of string players? Improvising at once. Yeah. I just like the sound of it. Yeah. It's kind of like you know when you hear some collective improv from horn players. You yeah. Know, I just like the texture. Yeah. What was so exciting about that group is that everyone has such a different approach to improvising, so it was just kind of cool to hear that in, how it can it can be congruent. I mean, it can flow together, it can sound cool together. Um, how I, I don't know how controlled that was versus how freely improvised it was. I, I couldn't really tell. That's cool. Um, <laughs> um, no, there were definitely written parts, but then, you know, there would be a lot of, like I always joke, I always come with these ostinatos, I don't know, so so I'd have like a little ostinato part that the, you know, solos would have free reign to kind of like solo over. So a lot of it was actually structured out, but definitely they were improv, you know, or I'd have like, okay, I want you guys to start with a high energy improv here. I mean, mm -hmm. that type of stuff was directed. Or I'd have specific moments where, like, for example, Jason Huang and Fred Lumbercombe hadn't played together in years. And so I was like, I wanted to have a spot where they could kind of, because they were, I think they used to play a lot more together. So mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I, want, I wanted to have a space that kind of featured those two. Or maybe to have just like the upper strings doing a, a spot to have a, you know, jam with those upper frequencies and then the lower strings might have a spot to improvise together. This time was an instrumentation, it's like violin, cello, some percussion. Yeah. Just that? That's right. Yeah. 
I like it. It sounds like some 20th century classical music. Oh yeah. So I'm pretty sure this is totally freely improvised, which is so it's funny you say that. Um, it's the aesthetic of like... Yeah. What part of the aesthetic? Just the sound. I guess the overall sound. Like some 20th century classical music sounds like this. Which sort of thing are you thinking of? I don't really know how to put it into words per se, it's just this you know. Yeah, yeah. So how do you how do you like hear this as coherent when it's so like all over the place and free? I don't know, maybe it's because I've played in this setting or listened to it so much, it doesn't sound Oh, yeah, awesome. <laughs> okay. I would never have thought that. What, what do you? Yeah, how do you? What do you mean? I don't know. I could just close my eyes and it's just like. not the right word. Well, yeah, it's kind of calming to me. I don't know, or it's like what sometimes what's happening in your mind and you're like hearing it orally so you can kind of relax. Sure, sure. <laughs> if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's what I mean by peaceful. It's like I close my eyes and it's like kind of let this take over my thoughts a little bit. So this sounds like something you would be thinking, is that what you're saying? Yeah, you know how you have all this stuff in your brain? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, no, that makes sense. That's a that's a different way to think about just like sort of scattered improvisation. It's like if it's yeah. I mean, when I'm listening to it, usually I try to like block out, you know, and I'm just like trying to be present. I think that's why actually I really like playing this type of music because it forces me to be really pre present right. in the moment in responding. Like, how do I want to respond to what is around my environment? Right. Nothing's given. Yeah, and not even, it could be outside of the musical environment. It could be someone's cell phone or a cop or how are you responding to that? Yeah. How can you create this texture? Who it is though? Wait, don't tell me. Don't okay, tell me okay. That. I was about to tell you. No, no, no. No, it's okay. I can give you one hint. No, 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 no. Not even a hint. Okay, not even a hint. Can you tell me um the time period? No, uh, it's ninety four. Ninety four. And can you tell me um, region? It's three players who are all from different countries. I probably know the person. I know them. Uh, I don't know if you know any of them. Okay. Uh, What's so the hint? Th is, uh, this was Fred Lombard Home recommended this. I asked him for a recommendation to play for you, and this was his recommendation. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, okay, that's a weird one, but sure, why not? I trust you. Hmm. So he's trying to see if I would know this. Or just see what you think about it. Oh. Which you've already said. Yeah, I like it. 
Is the cellist American? Yeah. It's Tom Cora. Tom Cora. Oh, he loves Tom Cora. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that. I haven't listened to enough of his stuff. <laughs> it's Icy Demon. Yeah. I used to play in this band. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, it's funny, I, doing research for this, I was just looking up anything, anything I could find about you, and I saw that you were on one of the later albums. Were, were you, you toured with them? Yeah. In that case, I'm almost certain I saw you like 10 years ago in oh, Philly. Oh, probably, yeah, yeah like Johnny Brenton. No, at, uh, AKA, the record store, like upstairs. I mean, there was definitely a shovel player, okay. and I just didn't know anything about who you were at the time. Yeah, I, think it, yeah, I did, I mean. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I don't remember what's, like I said, track names, I don't remember. Yeah, this song is actually called Icy Demons. Oh, it is called Team Blah. Well, and, he said, and, and Griffin sings the line Icy Demons at the end of it, so. Yeah. So speaking See, of, I don't even know the track name of the band I played in that's <laughs> called Ice Demons. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. Uh, so, speaking of the connection between, like, more like, you know, pop or indie rock and uh, jazz or improv, this, is, this band is, like, obviously coming from a former, but borrowing some. Improv improvising players, mm-hmm. and also has some of the like fun feel of the thread that you were talking yeah, about, the thread girl yeah. kind of group and dancing and stuff. Yeah, I had a lot of fun playing in this group. Yeah, I liked it because it was yeah. I like. I mean, I loved dancing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot. Right. I used to dance a lot, go dancing a lot more. Yeah. People probably don't know that about me, but... Uh, there you go. Now yeah. you heard it here first. <laughs> no, but... Yeah, and this was also a Hot House connection, too. Really? Yeah, because Griffin worked at the Hot House, and okay. so that's how I met him. And then, actually, I lived in the loft where they recorded a lot of this stuff. Okay. It used to be called Truck Stop, but now it's called Shape Shop. Right. So, yeah. And I always wished, I I still wouldn't do it. I always wanted to play like in a rock band. So yeah. This was, yeah, yeah. Why, what is that uh, get I just grew, Well, I just grew up listening to a lot of rock music, actually, sure. more than sure. jazz, actually. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. I mean, I think I started playing more classical music because I played the cello and that's kind of what you do, but yeah. I don't know if that's really, I just wanted to play music. Even though I love classical music, you know, but, um, yeah, it's, it's something about playing music where people kind of get up and, and move and dance. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. You, have you been inspired to write music that would do that, that would or try to play in a concert? Yes, I, ha- I have some secret house songs that I've written. Really? Actually, yeah. Is it maybe? Yeah. Oh, okay. 
recognize it because you have listened to the album, or because you just recognize it? Is, is this from Melton Cream? Yeah. No, I haven't heard it yet. Oh wow. Okay. So how did you how did you get it? Just her tone. Yeah. What about it? Well, I guess because it has effects on it, and then it's just a warm sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't heard it yet. I got it. I got. There's so much stuff I gotta check out, actually. That's true of all of us. <laughs> actually, I made, I'm making. I've made a list, actually. So speaking of working with other people's music, as we were earlier, tributes and stuff. Yeah, that's what she did with this one. Right? Yeah, it's, it's like all mostly covers. It's all covers. Can you tell what this one is already? Because I actually particularly like this is one of the ones where it's a tune I knew already, but it would take me a while to recognize it because she's reharmonizes so much and plays so sparsely. Yeah. Actually, I just listened to um, a solo set that she did on. I just listen to more live music than I do CDs. Sure, yeah. I mean, you're touring. You were touring with her too. You don't need yeah. to like go listen to her CD after. No, no. I would. I want to. But I. I mean, I did want to. Like, I haven't heard the Melt Frame, and I did want to hear it. Yeah. And I went and I think I was on YouTube, and I just listened to. She did a solo concert. And I can't remember. Maybe it was in Italy or something. And I listened to that. So you obviously know her music and I'm sure like it. Right? Yeah. So what do you? What about her playing is like so pleasurable to you? Um, it's just so creative and interesting. Like I like her use of pedals. Right. Um, it's definitely a unique to her. To her. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and she's just really good at creating environments like just when I listen to her in other projects it's like she always creates some kind of interesting loop Mm -hmm. or I don't know I just really like it's really inspiring like I I have pedals at home and sometimes I'm like ah Tamika you should I've had them for years like I think even the Nicey Demons they were trying to get me to use some of them and I just didn't you never used them out I, on rare, rare occasion, I think for a long time, I just felt like, ah, I gotta get my jazz playing together, I gotta get this language together, so I just felt like, I don't know, sometimes I get very, like, what do you call it, like, blinders on. Yeah, myopic. Yeah, and I don't, it's not good, I need to not do that, actually, but... No, because I feel like there's time, I mean, you could spend 15 minutes on it, it's not like it's, you know, but, um... Yeah. I don't know if I know what tune it is. I'm still listening. That's yeah, okay. It's uh, Solitude by Ellington. Oh, Ellington. Yeah, it's really, I mean, it's a pretty different. Yeah. I When I first listened to this, I had to I'd go and play the tune just to be like, I couldn't quite remember how it went because yeah. she harmonizes it so much. That's beautiful. Yeah. Have you considered 
also doing, in addition to trying pedal stuff, have you considered trying to play like solo? Oh yeah, uh, that's uh, I make a solo album or Yeah, I have. I actually have. What's the status on that? I don't know. You always feel like, oh, am I ready to do that? What do you want to say? Sure. Um, what would I do? No, I have. I have actually thought about it for a few years. But I just haven't. I go into moments where I really start working on it, and then I don't. You're working on, like, coming up with what you would do? Yeah. Like, yeah, like, what type of, what would I actually play? Well, like, I don't know. Like, I have thought about, there's, like, two compositions. Like, like I would, would love to cover, actually. And then, I mean, I guess I would just do maybe do a series of some free improvisations and then maybe write some pieces. I mean, I guess I do have, I mean, I do have the ideas. It's just kind right. of like finishing them so right. that they're ready for recording. Right, right. I think that's been the thing, like, what is it, what is my statement going to be? And then I guess knowing that even if you make that statement, you can be other things too. You are other things too. But sometimes you feel like, oh, if I say this is my solo thing, is that that's the thing? Like, right. no, I, mean, right. I like doing all these right. other things too. I gotta get through this thesis. What's <laughs> 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 that other time?
work on it a bunch and then I put it down. Yeah. Put it down. Put it down. Um, do you want? I mean, yeah. No. The cat, you want it, You want to let him hang out in here? It's fine. Okay. Hi, Boo. Right. You're not a timid cat. <laughs>